Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Katie Company, you and me on the radio. Until noontime today. Well, I say good morning, good morning to all police and fire personnel, civil servants, healthcare employees, and good old number 41. All right. All right, I got my bathing suit on now. Got my towel. Oh, my God, I'm all set. <clears throat> Let me see if any, I know anybody else who's uh, who's ready to go to the beach. How about Peter Wiggins? Peter, are you ready to go to the beach? Yes, I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> there he is, my buddy Peter J. Wiggins. Good morning, Mr. Wiggins, sir. Doing good today, David. Oh, last good night. boy. Now, was it cold at your place last night? It was really cold. <laughs> and and uh, now, how is it today? A little bit better or what? Today, a little bit better. A little bit better. Now, now what you, what's happening? Tell me what's going on in Norton. Last night, Norton Lancers boys varsity basketball game against Midway got postponed due to the cold weather. Uh oh! So you can't give me a score. Oh my heavens! Okay, number okay, number two. What do you got? Tonight it's the Norton Lancers ice hockey game against the Medway Mustangs at six thirty p.m. at Fox Sports Center. Now it's ice hockey, so I'm guessing they're going to do the game. Yep, that's right. Right, I mean, ice hockey, right? You wouldn't want to do it because it's going to be cold out. All right, and number three? And tomorrow, it's the Norton Lancers boys varsity basketball game at noontime against Bellingham. Oh, that's terrific. Boy, you're keeping me up on, on, on the uh, the happenings in Norton. The honorary mayor of Norton, Massachusetts, one Peter J. Wiggins. Thank you, Mr. Thank Wiggins. You. Shabbat shalom. Week is the Norton Special Town Election, February 11th at the Norton Mill School, 8 to 3. Next Saturday at, from 8 to 3. You know, I'm sorry. I didn't know you had that one, too. Repeat that one for me. Norton Middle School. Next week will be the Special Town Election, 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. Great. Now, speaking of next week, uh, next week we'll be doing a rerun, so you won't need to call next next Saturday. Yep. Uh, but we will be talking to you on the 18th, okay? Thank you. Sounds like a plan day. Okay, buddy. God bless you. I'll talk Shabbat to you shalom. soon. Shabbat shalom. Bye-bye. There he goes. Peter J. Wiggins, Honorary Mayor of Norton, Massachusetts. Yeah, next week um, I will uh, not be on the air. Well, I won't be on here live. Next week we are rerunning the candidates forum that I had a couple of weeks ago. And so uh, all the four candidates – We'll be on, uh, and we're going to be rerunning that uh, next Saturday, the 11th. So if you miss it then, uh, or you can hear it again, and uh, you can, uh, you know, get answers maybe to some of the questions that you, you had after the first time. Who knows? But anyway, that'll be next week, the Candidates Forum. Um, instead of the show, we'll be doing, well, it's my show, but. We'll be featuring the candidates forum from a couple of weeks ago. All right? Okay, and then I shall return uh, triumphant or whatever on the 18th. You and me together until noontime today, 508-222-1320, 508-222-1320. Uh, 10 o'clock this morning, Todd McGee will be here. Todd McGee, of course, you know from when he ran for a mayor. Also, he is uh, well-versed in, uh, in police training and activity and etc. And he'll be here at 10 o'clock. I want to ask him a whole bunch of questions about, um, about what happened in Memphis and 
what has happened uh, with our police force and the people that we have been brought up to believe we can trust. Policemen are our friends, right? Um, all of the things that have happened and we're trying to figure out what this is about. And now with uh, these horrendous situations, something's got to be done, and I'm going to talk with Todd about that. In, um, in a couple of minutes, um, we're going to be hearing from uh, my friend Brenna Vashon, who is the chairperson of the Nikki O Foundation. And they are the sponsors, or the people we're, we're raising funds for tomorrow at the Centenarian United Methodist Church on uh, Sanford Street, you know, uh, where the Hebronville uh, Food Pantry is. And uh, my friend, medium Lisa Powers, will be presenting what she has to do. And I th think you will find it really moving, really interesting. If you've never been present for something like that, I want to I talk to you about it, but in a little while we'll hear from Brenner on all the details. And then uh, later on today, in the 11 o'clock hour, I'll be uh, speaking with Lisa, and uh, I will be um, finding out how she's doing, and if she's ready for tomorrow, which promises to be quite, quite the day. Our crowd is beginning is is growing nicely, and you'll still have a chance to be part of that, and I hope you will. And uh, but but Brenda will talk about that. There's a couple of other things I want to talk about, too. I've had some response to uh, my uh, letter to the editor. Um, on uh, Friday, they ran the letter to the editor I had in response to, uh, to Reverend Wanamaker. And, um, and um, we can talk about that as well. Anything else that's on your mind. You know, I try to, to make it easy for people to to uh, know what's happening. I try to make it easy for people to um, benefit from uh, listening to this show. 508-222-1320, also today. I'm going to uh, invite you to, to call that number today, to talk to me, to ask any questions you may have, make any comments you want. You know, we have this election coming up. If you have something that you'd like to talk about the election to, um, we can do that in this hour and again at, in the 11 o'clock hour. Uh, Lisa's going to be out for a little bit, and then we can get you to, to talk a little bit what you're thinking about it. Maybe you have an opinion about that, and, uh, and we'd like to hear that too. Well, I say we. That's me and whoever's listening. Yeah, that's right. Maybe me and the other, the other two people. <sighs> you want to be like that about it, that's fine. Uh, in the meantime, we have somebody calling me on my radio phone. Who's on the line? This is Brenna Vashon. Here she is, ladies and gentlemen. The, the lovely Brenna Vashon, who is uh, here talking about uh, the uh, Council for Children's fundraiser tomorrow. Are you all excited or what? Yeah, I'm very excited. It's been a few years now since we've been able to do uh, a live event like this, so... 
um, coming off of our more live situation with Christmases for kids. We're very excited to be able to be back in the swing of things. Yeah. Yep. Now, this is really cool. Now, um, as I mentioned before, Lisa Powers is a, is a well-known medium uh, throughout New England, and she is uh, coming uh, to the uh, uh, Attleboro area tomorrow, 2 to 5. Um, now, we, we've done these before, Brenna, and your family keeps buttoning in. <laughs> I know we've we've always we've always been a very loud um, life of the party family, and that has continued into um, into the spiritual world. So um, hopefully, my pa- my family is are not as loud, and hope everybody gets gets something out of tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. Tell me, tell me about that. Tell tell a little bit about what happens. Uh, when someone like you, for instance, gets the kind of reading, tell, tell me about you being surprised or what happens and when it happens. Um, I'm very surprised and it always, so I'm surprised, but then what amazes me is it's kind of a subtle thing, just a little thing. And it's something that I don't always, like in my mind, when I think daily about my parents, for example, there are certain things in my life that I remember, that I recall, that warms my heart, but What's happened to me in these um, when my parents have come through to me? It's just something random that I never think of, but it's just such a shock to me that that one thing comes to me, you know, and it's like, oh, it is them, you know, or it is a sign. And so I, I always try to look for the signs, and and these events remind me that um, they're they're always with me. And you were talking to me yesterday. We, we spoke for a few minutes yesterday, and, and and the word you used, and of course it's one that's we use a lot around us, is these readings, these sittings, these opportunities are all about hope. Yeah. And that is really what we're trying to help people have, right? Yes, definitely. Hope and um and for me, too, it's like a reassurance of I'm always exactly where I'm supposed to be, no matter how bad the situation seems to me. And when I'm in those kinds of situations, I always look to my parents and, and talk to them, and, and, and I'm given a sign of hope, or however it may be. Yeah, yeah, and, and the timing, too. The, you know, we, we always want everything on our time, right? Yes, I know. I <laughs> know. Not and, always our place. Not our plan, unfortunately. Yeah. And how many times do you think in the world people say, you know, um, they say, well, um, I want this now, and then after they go, oh, it's a good thing I didn't do that because if I had done that, I wouldn't have done this, and then I wouldn't have met yeah. them, and then I wouldn't be here, right? Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. It's very true. And so it, it kind of, like you said, it reassures you that. You are where you are supposed to be at the time you're supposed to be there, right? Whether yeah. we, whether I understand it or not, or understand the why or not, I should yeah. say. I don't think we are ever going to stand understand the why until it's our turn. Personally, yeah. I think yeah. I, I think what happens. I used to say all the time that you step over. This is years and years ago. I used to say you step over the line, you turn around, and you look at your life, and you go. Oh, of course. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know that. <laughs> of course, that just happened that way. Because right, and then you yeah, end up. You yeah, end up yeah. realizing what this is all about. 
and uh, and we're excited. Now it's two o'clock tomorrow. Um, two o'clock tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, at the Centenary United Methodist Church, right where the Hebronville uh, Food Pantry is. It's on the corner of Sanford and North Main Street in Attleboro. Two o'clock. We will be selling tickets at the door. Uh, we've got yeah. a nice crowd coming already, and and, yeah. it's, and it's building, yeah. and uh, and that's good uh, because I think that I honestly think that spirit connects with each other, right? And and they meet each other, and like you and I before you and I knew each other, one of your relatives and one of my relatives has has already hooked up somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I really think that that's what happens. And uh, so I'm excited know, about it. And, and we want to thank the Attleboro Council for Children for, for taking the time to, to offer this and to have this happen. And uh, it, all the proceeds. Can you tell us a little bit, real fast, I know you're, you're busy, but I, can you tell me real fast, tell people about the Nikki O Foundation, uh, what it does. Yeah, so, the, so the proceeds from this event will um, benefit the Nikki O Foundation. And the Nikki O Foundation was established for... Um, in memory of Nick O'Neill, the youngest member of the Station Nightclub Empire. I'm sure your audience is. Oh, yeah, they know who he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can hear people saying, all right already, all right already. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so what we do, what, what the Nikio Foundation does is offer scholarships to children looking to further themselves in the arts. And that's music, theater, um, acting, you know, whatever. Yeah, whatever it is, they, yeah, we, we want to help them with, right? And right, the music instruments. The lessons, oh. right? Yeah. Yeah, lessons, yeah. arts camps focused on the art. Yeah. All things that were near and dear to Nikki. Yeah. And uh, we want to make sure that uh, people get a chance to have the opportunities that he had. Uh, because, you know, there are, there's so much talent out there with our kids, and a lot of times they don't get a chance to to develop it right. or don't have the opportunity to to do what they think they could do, you know. I mean, yeah. I remember saying, exactly. I remember Nikki saying, you know, I think I could play guitar. And, you know, we, we did the thing, okay, Nick, we're going to get, but you got to promise to take lessons and you got to promise to practice, right? And yeah, he took yeah. four lessons and wrote 50 songs. I mean, oh, wow. these kids are out there all the place. I took, by the way, just to let you know, as I was younger than him, I took. 50 guitar lessons, I can play four chords. So you yeah. see how, how the dichotomy is. So, yeah. Yeah. so it's tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. So, I, huh? What? So just a little bit more about Nikki O. So if, if anybody in your audience knows of a child looking to, um, who would, could use our help um, for lessons or anything similar to that, they can, they can write to us at the Greater Attleboro Area Council for Children, P.O. Box 424, North Attleboro, Mass., Zero two seven six one. We have a website. I'm sure Davis told you councilforchildren.org. You can find out more information about us there. So um, we'd be happy to to hear from uh, any student who's looking to to further themselves in the art. Right. And um, yeah. And and they can also, by the way, uh, get their tickets for tomorrow at uh, councilforchildren.org yeah. as well. That's so right. that can yeah. be all done yep. uh, today. Uh, for tomorrow yeah. as well. Yeah, we got lots going on with Nikki O. 
not unusual. And and then tomorrow's yeah. going to be such a great day. I can't wait. I can't wait for you to meet Maybe. Lisa. You are going to love her, Brenda. Oh, You're going to love wait. this. And woman. you know what? <laughs> It's going to be a balmy 45 tomorrow, so... Can you imagine? <laughs> 45! I know it! <laughs> Holy cow! Yeah, I was telling um, I was telling Mark Ambrose this morning off the air, years ago uh, in Rhode Island, I was on the air in Rhode Island, I was doing disc jockey stuff, that's how long ago, and it was like 103, it was, that was the big weather day, so I started playing Christmas music on the air to get people to feel cool. And uh, the national press picked it up, and I got cl- clippings from newspapers all over the country. This jockey plays plays Christmas music on a hot day. <laughs> <laughs> so I started off today with "Lazy, Hazy, Crazy Days of Summer" by Nat King Cole, but nobody cares. Hey, thank you so much, Brenna. Thank you all for right. being with us, and uh, I'll see you tomorrow. And yeah, I, t- thank you for I yeah, me. yeah, I'll be the one with the rose between my teeth if you're looking to figure okay. out which one it is. All right, all right. Yep. God bless you. I'll thank you so much. My entire family. <laughs> oh, I know you will be. I know. <laughs> be a home week. Thanks so much, Brenna. I right, talk to you soon. Bye bye. All right, there goes Brenna. Brenna Vashon and and uh, boy, I'm telling you, I'm excited about tomorrow. Aside from the fact that I'm excited about it, it'll be warmer. Uh, I'm, excited. <laughs> I'm excited about doing this. You know, there are people who who uh, fool themselves into thinking that uh, that this kind of stuff is is of the devil and it's the occult and it's uh, and as God is my witness, I tell you that I believe firmly that this is. This is God's way of letting us know there's nothing to fear. You know, Jesus said, be not afraid. And uh, I am telling you that that this whole thing where where uh, people are, are hearing from spirit is the work of, of the deity, in my opinion. Whatever you call it, whoever you believe, whatever, I mean, you think about if you if you read scripture, and you, I mean, there there are burning bushes talking to people. There are angel visits. There are there are voices in scripture, uh, motivating people to be to be part of 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 good things, righteous things, proper things. Um. And I don't know why people are so afraid. You know, when I talk about mediumship to people, you know, somebody will say, oh, if my, I'd be so afraid of if my, my sister who passed. If my, if my sister showed up, oh, I'd be so afraid. Let me understand this. You're in your house. You're thinking about your sister who's passed, and you are afraid. And exactly what is it do you think your sister's going to do to you? Why would you be afraid? I, well, I know why you'd be afraid. You'd be afraid because we've been inundated with a bunch of foolishness by people who who want you to be afraid, who want you, you know, they want to talk about their whole, I don't know what it is they want to talk about. They want you to, they want you to be afraid. They want you to, to think that, uh, that there's something wrong 
instead of there's something right. Why would you not want to believe? Why would you not want to know that your brother or sister, your child, your parents, do you think your parents would would tell you something that would harm you? Where is your faith? You know, it's funny. You can believe, you know, for the Catholics uh, who listen, think about it. You'll pray to St. Anthony, right? Help you find your car keys. You'll pray to St. Jude if you think it's a really hopeless case. You'll, you'll bury... Um, You'll bury St. Joseph upside down in front of your house if you want to sell it. Yeah, there are Catholics who have taken a statue, a small statue of St. Joseph, and and buried it upside down, I don't know why, upside down in front of their house when they're selling their house. I didn't make that up. But you will pray to somebody and you will believe in something, and you will put your faith in someone who you can pick out in a lineup, really. You don't know who these people are. You don't know who these people were. You believe that they were good people and that they were saintly because of the stories that you've heard, and that's fine. But you wouldn't ask your son... uh, like I have, Nikki, where did I put my glasses? Nikki, where did I put my You bury St. Joseph upside down in front of your house to sell it, but you wouldn't ask your, your child or your, or your sibling or your, your, your parents to help you out in some instance. You wouldn't believe if they're trying to tell you something to your benefit. You wouldn't believe if they're saying to you, look, it's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Don't be afraid. I'm safe. I'm well. I'm not sick anymore. I'm not sick anymore. I'm well. I know what's going on with you. I've been part of it. I've been helping. I still love you. I still love you. I know you love me. Let me do for you what I would do for you if I were on this side of the veil. Let me help you. Let me say, as I would, oh, wait a minute, here's your glasses over here. Look, they're right by the fridge. Look, you left them over here. Why would you be against that? And why would you think that that your God, the God that you love, the God that you have invested in for so long, why would you think he wouldn't use our loved ones as his messengers of hope? Why? I know you don't usually get this down and deep in this, but this week I've had some interesting experiences and thought process, and I want to tell you about it. I want you to, 
I want you to open yourself to this. I'm not trying to sell you tickets to tomorrow. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm just trying to get you to open up the possibilities for yourself. You know, I have a lot of people I talk to about this. As, as you know, I drive people crazy. And, and they say, whatever you do, don't mention this kid because you'll be here for 40 years. <laughs> 41 minutes. Uh, but I have people who are very kind to me. They're very accepting of me. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. And in their head, they're going, you know, this guy's out of his tree. Can you believe this? Oh, my God. What if the whole time I was right? What if the whole time I was right? Oh, my heavens. Boy, I mean, that woman and me up alone. <laughs> All right. You'll be on the radio till noontime today, 508-222-1320, 508-222-1320. I was talking, as you know, before the break about mediumship and spirituality, etc. And I know you've heard me talk about it before. Anybody who's spent more than five minutes with me in my last 20 years or so, actually before that, too, and as I asked you the question, by the way, I'd love to have you chime in if you'd like to talk to me about this, you have a question about it, or you, even if you want to tell me I'm full of bullpucky, let's chat. 508-222-1320. Is there anybody who has the uh, cojones, as they say, to call in and, and give an opinion on this? Just wondered. It's interesting, though, because I started to say to you, if I'm wrong, if I'm right, if I'm wrong. Let's say that I'm wrong about all of this. Let's say that none of this stuff is true, that it's all my, my imagination and the imagination of others who have received stunning messages. Right? Let's say we're all wrong. So when you die, when I die, that's it. Out, Lights out, goodbye, gone. No hearing, no seeing, no tasting, no smelling, no nothing. Uh, you're worm food and it's over. Okay? Let's say I'm wrong. You won't know it. And I won't know it because the same thing will be happening to me. But what if what I'm telling you, and I'm talking to someone now who, if you are not a believer, if you are not somebody who, or somebody is afraid of what I'm saying, that's okay. What if what I'm saying is true? What if our loved ones really do care enough for us to make the effort to give us these messages? That our parents and our children and our crazy Uncle Louie or whatever it is, what if they really are? So here's your choice, right? So then when you pass, you find out, oh, and now you don't believe me. You think I'm full of it, okay? And then you pass, and then you find out that I was right, that this is real, that people really think this, that people have really experienced it, that it's not my imagination. It's not, you know, some lyrical, spherical, diabolical denizens of the deep. It is real. You will be able to look at yourself now, look back at your life and say, you know, 
all of those years between the time I listened Kane talking about this to now that I passed, all of those years, I pushed it off. I didn't believe it. I didn't invest in it. I didn't want it near me. And you say, boy, I wasted all of those years when I could have had those years full of real hope, not only for myself, but for others, right? Not only for myself, but for others. Real hope. Real anticipation. Real excitement. Real hope that... uh, that not only are our loved ones safe and sound and caring for us, but when it is our turn to pass, we will be safe and sound. We will be okay. Isn't that a great gift to you? Isn't that a great gift? I don't know why you would opt instead to to have a life of fear. To have a life of, 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 oh God, trepidation. That you would want to believe that your loved one, whoever they are, has nothing to, to, to give to you or doesn't want to help you or would or would leave you. Just like you wouldn't leave them, they're not leaving you. Just like you think that they somehow, they've moved on. You know, we've been brought up in in our world, we've been brought up to, I mean, think about it, we say lost. You know, people say, well, I lost my son. Well, I lost my mom. Well, if you lost your car keys, would you be going out and looking for them? Would you be looking for them? So if you lost your car keys, if, 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 you, if you look for them, why aren't you looking for your loved ones? Why aren't you open to something that may be very real to you? Even if you don't believe it as I speak right now, why wouldn't you open yourself to the possibility? Oh, I would never go to one of those medium people. I'm a little psychic. I would never go. I would no, no. It's like uh, it's like they're coming to you and you don't realize that you're not open to it. It's like two women standing in a supermarket talking to each other. And you've seen this where where two adults are talking and one of the kids and one of their kids is going, Mom, 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 and, and they just ignore them, they keep talking. Mom, right? So imagine two women in the supermarket and and they're talking to each other and one of them is talking about how much she misses her little girl that passed. Talking about a little girl. 
And as these two women are standing there, the spirit of the little girl is standing right next to the mother, pulling her skirt. Mama, 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 here I am, mama. Mama, here I am. Mama, tap dancing as fast as they can, these spirits, to, to get you to understand there's nothing to fear. Not to fear death. Not to fear whatever life you believe happens after life. They, they're trying to let you know that there's nothing to fear. In, in uh, Nikki's play, They Walk Among Us, uh, the three angels, these are three teenagers who have passed, and they, they come back to, uh, to help a young man. And Grace, the angel, says to the boy they're trying to help, in the end, everything, and I do mean everything, is going to be just fine. Everything, and I do mean everything, is going to be just fine. And the last line in the play is, do not fear to hope. So we took that line and we put it on Nick's headstone. Do not fear to hope. Um, this play was written by a 16-year-old. And when you see it, and you're going to get a chance to see it if you'd like to see it, uh, AACS is going to have on their website a link to the uh, Vimeo of the show. We produced They Walk Among Us for television. We actually produced it for TV and PBS. And uh, it's going to be on uh, available through AACS. I'll give you all the details uh, when I come back. Uh, it'll be on the website. You can click on it and you can watch the entire presentation. The uh, And I think it's going to be something that you really like. It was directed by uh, Nikki's brother, Christian, and uh, shot by Christian DeResendez, who is the producer and creator of Slatersville. Uh, Nikki's family is in it. Nikki's brother David plays the part Nikki wrote for himself, the lead, of course. <laughs> and Nikki's girlfriend, Grace, uh, excuse me, Gabby plays Grace the Angel, and her brother uh, plays Eli. Uh, Alex plays Eli. Listen, uh, this is a great thing to watch with your family, and I'll be pumping the hell out of it on the 18th. Um, and I have more to tell you, too, but in the meantime, I think I'll just uh, take a quick break here, okay? All righty. All righty, you and me on the radio. Till noon time today. Make you feel warmer, this is, huh? All righty. And listen, I'm, I'm going to invite you to see um, They Walk Among Us. Uh, we'll be giving you the details on how you watch it. The 20th anniversary of the Station Nightclub fire is coming up. And um, it's on actually February 20th, uh, the 20th anniversary. And um, so we are going to be uh, giving you the opportunity to see Nikki's play, They Walk Among Us, and uh, decide for yourself what you think. On the 18th, the Saturday the 18th, I'm going to have uh, several really important guests. I'm going to have uh, John Ballerick, uh, ba Barrylick, who wrote the book Killer Show about the station fire. I'm also going to have on Dave Bellino, 
uh, who produced a movie called Guest List about the station fire. And I'm also going to have in studio Gina Russo, the president of the Station Fire Memorial Foundation. She survived the fire after many surgeries and a coma and <sighs> stunning that she is uh, going to be able to be in the studio with me today. She's been recovering for 20 years now. And you'll hear her story. You'll be very impressed and moved by what she is going through. So on the 18th, it's going to be all station fire all the time. So if you, you know, you don't want to hear it, then I would, you know, make a note to yourself not to listen to the show. Uh, but we are going to give you, with that, tied in. I mean, after all, it is the 20th anniversary. You don't mind if uh, if we acknowledge it. You don't mind if we, uh, if we might. You know, here's the thing about it. This fire safety thing that we talk about and everything, uh, and my 41 signs of talk, talk which is about the mediumship, but uh, I, I do s speeches everywhere talking about my book, but also uh, I have done it for, among other things, uh, nurse death and dying classes in colleges. And one of the last ones, the most recent ones I did, I shouldn't say one of the last one, I hope it's not the last one, but one of the most recent ones that I did, I started to talk to the kids, you know, and I said about my son, Nikki, and da da da. And I, and I realized, I realized that it was going to be 20 years since the fire. And the, some of the kids I was talking to in this class were 22. They were two and three years old, four years old. They had no <clears throat> real knowledge or recognition or understanding of the fire. And I realized it was like somebody standing up in front of them and ex explaining Pearl Harbor, right? I mean, they're, these are relative, they're kids. They were children, babies when this happened. So one of the things I have been very upset about, very concerned about, very bothered by and wanting to do something about is the knowledge about fire safety in buildings. And entertainment venues and homes, of course. But the lessons that we were alleged to have learned from, from this, really, really need to be revisited. And, and when you're talking to an audience who really didn't have, of course, the impact uh, that this had, but even with the impact of it, people who did know about it, you saw how many different things happened as a result of that. You saw people not not understanding about fire safety. You saw businesses still trying to run their own deal, still trying to do their own thing, still trying to, I don't know what. I don't know what. So I, I, I've had this, 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 
job, if you will, one that I gave myself, I guess, to make people know not only not only about the um, what I believe is the spiritual connection between your loved ones and you, but also about fire safety and what can happen when when someone allows themselves to be part of of a horrible idea of overcrowding a place, not having proper protection, sprinklers or proper exits, etc. And I've been doing it now well, for 20 years, just about. It'll be 20 years pretty soon. And... Um, and I know that a lot of people go, oh, geez, enough with this cane. Will you please talk to me about something else, for God's sakes. I know. I understand. I get it. But I have to know that I've done something, anything I can do, to change, to change things and to make sure that, that I am not part of those Incidences that allow these this kind of happening to happen again to to occur again. I mean, I'm 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 obsessed with it. No doubt, no, I'm telling you honestly. And I know that people think, "What the hell?" But the good news, aside from the warning of the the fire safety, is to tell you that if someone is taken from this veil on this side and put to the other that you know that they are alive and well and safe in a very real sense. And I know people struggle trying to accept this. <laughs> I know. I get it. But them's the breaks. You have a choice to to open yourself <clears throat> to something, or you can you can block it out. Say, oh please. Oh yeah, you're very nice. Yeah, you're a nice guy, Dave. Thanks very much. Huh? Oh yeah, thank you. That's good. Give me a book. Thank you. Huh? And then it goes in a closet someplace, and you don't read it or look at it. It's okay. I understand. I, I, a lot of times I analogize this with people. I tell them, you know. It's like if, if you were to come to my home for a, uh, for a Christmas party and I said to you, you know, um, there's a huge buffet in the dining room <clears throat> and, um, and then you don't go in the dining room. Well, <laughs> it's not my fault you didn't eat, is it? It's not my fault you didn't eat. So all of this put together between my ramifications and yelling and rambling on about about um, fire safety and mediumship and whatever. Um, in the next hour, uh, we have my friend Todd McGee, who I haven't seen since he ran for mayor. And uh, I know he used to write, he used to call, we used to... You know, then all of a sudden, 
Lost my phone number. I don't know what it is. I understand. But anyway, he's going to be coming in. And uh, we're going to be talking to him about, uh, I don't even know how to say this. I want to say about how something like this in Memphis with the five police officers, now six police officers fired uh, and charged with murder. Five of them charged with murder now. Uh, three of the um, EMTs dismissed and uh, lost their, their license as EMTs. And I'm not going to ask him, well, maybe I am. I'm going to ask him a lot of things because Todd is somebody who, who who has been involved in all of these kinds of trainings and understand he has himself been a state trooper for a lot of years. And I'm going to try to get a peek behind the curtain here. And I am going to invite you, and I am inviting you to call and, and be part of this and ask what you think at 508-222-1320. If you have a specific question you'd like to ask him, we'd, um, we'd be thrilled to hear from you. I'll be glad to do it because that's my gig here. I'll be glad to do it. But, but I want you to feel that you, are, you have something to, an opportunity to, to chime in. We had Chief Hagney on a few weeks ago, and he's going to be coming back. And uh, uh, the whole world, it seems, um, the whole uniform police world is really changing, is really coming, coming to a, a big change. And it should. There's a lot of stuff that we can't understand there's a lot of stuff that we don't get. There's a lot of stuff that we look at and say. And the, mo the most recent one, have you seen the most recent one? The guy's in a wheelchair. He's a double amputee. The police get called because he allegedly cut somebody with a, looked like he had a machete. I don't know, he had a big knife. And the cops come and he gets down out of the chair, no legs. He gets down out of the chair and he starts running away and they open fire on him and kill him. They open fire. Here's a guy that has, he's a double amputee at the knees. He's trying to get, he looks like Billy Barty. You don't know who that is. Billy Barty trying to run. And, and you think, so what, nobody could, could stop him, disarm him without emptying a gun into him? And one of the things that I don't get about this is that these two cops, at least the two that I, was, I saw doing this, do they not say to themselves, you know, I don't know if I want to draw my gun after what just happened in Memphis. I don't know if I need to do that. When the guy gets down out of his wheelchair and starts to run away, he's running away. Imagine this. He's... he's got no legs, he's just, he's running away with this big knife in his hand, or running away from police, not at them. He didn't charge them. It, was, it wasn't self-defense. He was running away. Okay, you, you, you knock him over, you do whatever you do, and, and take the knife away from him, and then take him to jail. Put him back in the chair, take him to jail. What? What is this? Oh, wait a minute, I, I don't know how to handle this. So these two officers are going to let off 27 rounds or whatever the hell it was in their guns. 
and, and kill this man. First of all, obviously the man was having some kind of a horrible psychosis moment of some kind, crazy. It's a good thing that mother that was having a psychosis moment and killed her children, a good thing the cops were there, I guess, huh? Well, maybe it, maybe it wasn't so good. I don't know. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll have Todd McGee with us. Stay tuned, okay? Ah, uh, okay. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I'm trying to uh, warm you up. want to say good morning, good morning to all police and fire personnel, civil servants, healthcare employees, and good old number 41. Uh, you and me together till noontime. And um, now I'm, I'm going to introduce my guest uh, this morning. However, I've, I've been having a conversation. Todd, you, you can't be mayor. <laughs> you, I know you, you think you came, you think you're going to be mayor now. Can't be, you didn't win that one, Todd. I, I'm sitting in a different seat today. You are. Yes. I understand. Yeah, I mean, I know, but I mean, no. I mean, he drives up and he gets out, puts a bumper sticker on my car. You're not, <laughs> that was last time, Todd. Thank I'll make you. sure I shift. Thank you for coming in. Thanks. It, it is great, great to see you. Thanks nice for to me. see you. Um, I, I wanted to speak with you. I know you've been doing some TV and stuff, and people have been calling you. Um, we have five police officers that beat the bejesus out of a, out of a guy. Uh, I don't know what's happening. Talk to me about this. Help me feel better or understand something. What? Dave, what we witnessed was um, in, in some ways even worse than George Floyd in some ways. I think there's, there's a discussion around that. Well, let me, by the way, for people who don't know, uh, Todd is a former state police in, instructor. And, yes, 24-year uh, uh, career as defensive tactics coordinator, uh, ex use of force expert, meaning I've testified in front of judge and jury, been deposed by attorneys about police officer behavior. Okay, so that's so, all I want to give him background in case I didn't know. You know, go ahead now. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's this great discussion, this great debate about police reform, and there's all these different things. Yes, yes, and yes. However, there is accountability that needs to be held when a police department has specialized units. And, and, and here's the, the complex part of it. You have a very violent community. You know, I think the, the death count was up over 300 in a fiscal year. All these things are, are needed to be addressed by, by the law enforcement presence of jurisdiction. That being said, where was the supervision? Where was the accountability of these officers in the Scorpion unit? So that's a whole nother dynamic. Well, also, this is obviously not the first time they've done this because every time somebody gets caught on tape, it's always, well, this is the first time I ever done it. Baloney. I don't buy that. Right. I don't buy that. It, it just caught up to them this time. They mm -hmm. went too far. Yep. This was a practice, and this one got out of hand. Yeah. Yep. An ongoing practice. Yep. So, you know, I've, I've spoken to some, some uh, news media, and there there is a push towards, is this a racist event? So, yes, we have to talk about race, but we, we need to focus on where the actions of, the, of these police officers needs to be the focus. We'll get to the race part of this and what but, all. But, but here's that the thing. Here's the thing. You know, when I first heard that, I went, "What? What yeah. is that? Black on black? What is that?" But, but here's the thought process. Here's what I thought about after hearing some more of this. 
And you tell me where I'm wrong on this, okay? I, I couldn't get over black officers doing this to a black guy, period. But as a white guy, okay, as a white guy, we I'll use the phrase, I'm sure that uh, white police officers run into what we would call white trash. Okay. People from the other side of the tracks. Okay. Obviously, they're, they're drug users or they're, they're, they steal or they, whatever the thought process is, okay? And that's what I thought they were talking about in, the, in this instance, that the black cops were looking at this guy because he was the equivalent to white trash from a different... A ghetto. A ghetto, uh, thank uh, you. Right. Yeah, yep. yeah, whatever. That's what they meant by the racist. Is, is that what I'm getting or not? I, I, I think it's just we're so quick to default that it was a racist issue if yeah. it's a cop in a blue uniform. I think yeah. the color is blue, yeah. right, as yeah. a common denominator. Yeah. 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 And there's a terrible outcome that a, a, a citizen has been victimized in yeah. this particular case. So, you know, I... Again, in these issues, you have to talk about race. It comes up, but it's not the primary focus. Mm-hmm. And if we come back to police officers and their behavior in a sense of thuggery or acting with brutality, mm-hmm. calling that policing, that mm-hmm. that's not the mission of the police department. Under the I, color I, of law. I, my goodness. Being a gang. They've Period. betrayed their oath of office. They've betrayed their department. They've betrayed their families. They've betrayed the community. Right? Where do I keep going? And then people will say, well, we don't know the whole story. I'm confident, confident that any new information is not going to come out on the, on the good side. Yeah, of there's not going to be any good news from this. And it's not going to be, nobody's going to go, oh, well, we didn't know that. There's right? No nobody's going to do that. Right? What, what we've seen with new information is just more inconsistencies. Yeah. Right, there's a poli- one police officer made a report. Nothing in there is accurate according to even what we see the video cameras. So I'm not even confident that there was a justifiable stop, probable cause. To even they haven't found it yet. It. Yeah, it's not there. No, it doesn't exist. So that in of itself just shows that you had a small group of officers um, using a heavy-handed tactics in the field. This one got away from them, mm-hmm. and then now think about the culture. Because we also have EMTs, that their lack of response, or the or the fire department, whoever provided medical or didn't provide medical aid, and stood by, they're now been terminated from their department. So this is systemic. At oh least yeah, the, this yeah, is, yeah, is a systemic yeah. problem, a systemic issue, yeah. and everyone's uh, giving accolades to the police chief for her response. She should be terminated. She knows there was a lack of supervision. That's what her. She was. had to know that these people were rogue. She had to know it. You think that she got no, and and that there was a guy just. I don't know if you saw this. There was a guy who just came forward. He had been beaten up by the same crew. The same crew. A few week, couple of weeks earlier, or something, right? And yeah. all those stories are going to come out one by oh, one. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There's. Um, I want to go back to the police tactics, Dave, or, or lack thereof. Uh, one of the things that we trained at the State Police Academy was how to control, not punish, what we saw in the videos control a subject. Improper techniques would allow two police officers to control a person's, uh, aggression doesn't even apply here, but for conversation, two police officers should be able to put handcuffs. You had five. And the next thing is, police officers have to understand and be retrained 
that general civilians don't speak cop language. And here's where I'm going with that. At the initial stop, they told him to get out of the ground, get out of the car and get on the ground. He complied. He did do so. And then you heard one cop say, well, get on your belly. Well, he said, I'm already on the ground. Right? So they punished him yeah, for not yeah. being able to Understand speak. they want, yeah, yeah. Plus, they were giving him orders, and he couldn't do it. Like they had a hold of him, and he couldn't do it. So, you know, you see a lot of chatter about this. Well, you know, he was resisting. No. Here's what happened. And science tells us what happened. There's a thing that everyone has heard before called fight or flight. And Mr. Nichols was running to save his life. Yeah. It's science. We don't have enough time in this in the, in our yep. time together this morning. But he was reacting to a fight or flight response. That was it. He never threw a punch, never threw a kick, not aggressive. In the whole time trying to figure out, how did I get in this situation? What did I do? What he said, do? what did I do? And if anything, we talk about de-escalation. It was Mr. Nichols that initiated the de-escalation because you could hear him in the first video that was released. Okay, okay, okay. <clears throat> and he was trying to bring it down. And all they did was punish him. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of um, there, there are a lot of videos. I don't know if you've seen the First Amendment videos on YouTube. These guys and girls come and they, they have just a camera. And they stand out in front of the police department or the city hall or the and they're just taking video. Yes. Now they have the police, and I want your ID, and da 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 da, da completely unlawfully, da da da, right? But there are some of, them, and 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 most of them are making the point that these these police do not have any training in, or hasn't even read the Constitution, don't understand what stands for what, doesn't understand they can't do that, and and but you'll have like, and this is going to sound oh well you know, but you'll have First Amendment auditors who are not necessarily doing it, but they have cameras in their car. And they'll see a police and they'll chuck them the bird, you know, the, you know. And the cop pulls them over. Yeah, yeah. Illegally. You, right. can't, you can't. It's a freedom of speech. It's a law. You cannot breach a police officer's peace. That's another thing. Yeah. Right? That's a right. law on the books. And they can't right. be, and they can't be a, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They can't be a charger of, of, of something like, like disturbing the peace or, or right. whatever. They, there's got to be somebody complaint. Got to, they it, can't be the complaint. It's got to be a third party. Right, that's what yes. I meant. Yeah, yep. right. Yep. Absolutely. But they don't know that. They're not trained. They don't understand it. They think they can just do what they want because they're wearing the badge. In your less professional police officers, their ego gets in the way. Big time. Right? So they'll see that. They'll take offense to it. Who cares? Who cares? Someone flips you the bird or, oh, be, or, or, or grow someone up. Move on. And, they, and, and I don't think that ought to be. I mean, they, you don't need doing in that. You know, the, the cop hasn't bothered you. Drive on and shut up. Move on. Leave him alone. Don't yeah. be a jerk, you know, because that's, that's the other side of that. People who take a good concept of teaching police and instead they're going to escalate it into this, something like this. And then you catch a cop that shouldn't have been on the force to begin with. Well, like we saw in, in Minnesota with the George Floyd case, you, you had the lack of duty, uh, duty to in, intervene, right? That was another big part of reform. Yeah. Um, oh, that's I, a, yeah, let's uh, explain what that is. What we're saying is that the other cops should have said, hold it, wait a minute, stop. Correct, correct. Um, so whether there's a supervisor there or not, 
the police officer, the patrolman, the state trooper, the first level ranking file on scene has a duty to intervene when their colleague becomes heavy handed, becomes excessive, or sees the emotion. I'm gonna even say before the hands on part, if you see your brother or sister officer getting emotional, yeah. it's going nowhere good. Right. Get involved. We train. De-escalate. 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 Right. But how do you de-escalate? Hey, you get a phone call. Take a break. Let me step in. Yeah. Right? There's ways of doing that well before yeah. the heavy hands come. Yeah. That is consistently absent in these particular cases. Yeah. Um, I've started my career in 1987, retired mm. in 2011. Fortunately, I can count just on one hand how many times I stepped in in that role. It wasn't in our policy. It was about humanity. It was about making sure that we're bringing someone that might be in violation, could be a criminal act, could be something that is mm-hmm. arrestable based on motor vehicle laws, whatever the case is. But what we, what we wanted to make sure is that we were not there to punish people. You come yes. across people in their worst moments, good, bad, or different. As a law enforcement officer, you come into, uh, in, into contact with people in their worst moments. Sure. And it's not about punishment. Yeah, you know, it, it really is, is, is something to, to see the same. Now, now, we're going to talk about qualified immunity. Would you explain what qualified immunity is uh, from a police standpoint? I'm, I'm going to ask your listeners, Dave, to, to go back to another video that was recently released, and it was the Pelosi video. Yes. This is a great example, visual. If people can think back or do an internet search and watch the video, you had the police officers show up to what was an unusual call. Yeah. Because if you listen yeah. to the audio ahead of time, Pelosi really didn't call for police. He was, he was trying really to, yeah, he was trying to, yeah. He was hinting at best, yeah, right? Yeah. So as the police officers arrived, the door opens, Mr. Pelosi's hanging on to the hammer, this, un, this intruder, this unwanted person is also hanging on to the hammer, and then suddenly he lunges. Yeah. Qualified immunity was designed to help those police officers in case that individual made a claim or a charge that police officers used force to affect to affect the arrest. That that is an example where qualified immunity would have protected those officers if there was a claim of excessive force. And now, now the thing about <clears throat> what they say, what they say is, I'm, I have done a lot of study on this based on the fire, you know, and the. Alleged qualified immunity of the fire marshal. Yes. Who broke every law you can imagine and should have been in the slammer. Instead, he's in Florida on a, on a pension. Uh, but the reason I mention this is because qualified immunity, let me, let me give a better one. I say a better one. I'm a tax, uh, a tax assessor, yep. and I come into your business, and I say, well, according to the tax laws, you have to pay $5,000 extra taxes. And you're upset with me and you want to them and you want to sue me. And you can't do that because it's in the law. All I'm doing is telling you what the law is. But if I, you and I used to be friends and, and I used to date Nikki and now you're married to her and I come into your business and all of a sudden I find $22,000 worth illegally of the. Now you can tell me, now I don't have qualified immunity because I did something unlawful. Unlawful. Uh, not within the law. Fire marshal, not within the law. These police officers, so I don't know why we need to have a conversation about um, qualified immunity. I, I don't have a problem with police and, and others having it, but I think it's about how we 
justify it and how we examine it when it's invoked. When you measure qualified immunity up against gross negligence, because that's what we saw in this particular case. Yes. And qualified immunity does apply to government officials. This isn't just something special no, for police. No, it's no. government officials. Qualified immunity is not designed to protect gross negligence. And right. I'll even say negligence, right? Which, which comes back to what you said about unlawful yeah. conduct. Yeah. Right? So that now becomes criminal. We're going to see criminal. Well, there are criminal charges. Sure. Secondary murder against these five officers. You have administrative charges against uh, the fire department, and I believe there's other police officers yeah. that were there on yeah. scene but yeah. um, are not charged A couple of sheriffs, too, yeah. As well, yeah. yes. So you, you're seeing this play out both in the court of law as well as administratively with the, the agencies of jurisdiction mm. in this particular case. Qualified immunity does not apply. In these, it, right. it, if you it do something un, that is unlawful, that is not within the law, like um, overcrowding a, a, a nightclub, uh, knowing that it's against it's all all law, violation, you're responsible, absolutely, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And the same thing is true for police officers who pull this stuff. Um, and and this thing about now, one of the things you learn, learn from watching the um, First Amendment audits, I'm telling you about. If I, if I say to you, you are impeding on my First Amendment right, if I notify you of that and you proceed to do that, whatever that is, you lose your qualified immunity at that point. You, absolutely. Yeah. That, in that scenario, that officer is now on a pathway, right? Because now you have a choice, Yeah. right? So yeah. now you understand that this individual is in a public building. Yeah, not instance, because yeah. there's private property, public use. That's different, right? Yeah. yeah, public building, public space, and they purposely position themselves, knowing they have this protection from the Constitution. Sure. So when a police officer responds in kind, in with the absence of First Amendment knowledge, yeah, they're in a pathway that's going to get them jammed up. And we're seeing there was one recently in uh, I think it's Groton, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. There was uh, two individuals that were walking around town hall, and they called the police. But the police had training. Mm-hmm. In every single scenario in these videos, you know what happens when people ignore them? They, they go, go away. away. Well, because the point is they want to go away. The point is to make sure that the local police or whoever, constabulary, uh, know, understands that they can do it. Yes. And once you see that, then you know that they've been at least semi-trained, have some concept of what's... But when you have these people walk up and all of a sudden you're thrown over the hood of a car with handcuffs because you're holding a camera? Right. right. Holy God. I mean, all of this is this, isn't it? It's all the same thing. But the ignorance of the people who are allowed on the force and those people, you know, the other day I saw something on Facebook, somebody talked about, oh, no, it wasn't Facebook. This Bob Foley in uh, in the Sun Chronicle, this this old man who, who he's one of these kids. When you read the column, any any of his columns, it's like, "Hey, you kids, get off my lawn!" It's <laughs> that kind of okay. you know, right? And he was talking about these kids. They're talking about the flag, and these kids they should get a marine to, to, to explain to them about a marine. And, blah, blah, blah. and I thought, yeah, well, we could. Get, let me see, we could get Terry Nichols. 
Uh, he was in the Army. He blew up Oklahoma City. Or we could have uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. He was in the Marines, and he killed Kennedy. Timothy and McVeigh. The, uh, yeah. Benny, Benny McVeigh is what I meant, yep. too, both of them. And, and, and the, how many Marines were at Jan, uh, January 6th? Yes. Right? Too many, right? So this whole— And police officers. And, pol- and police officers, absolutely. And so these, this, this concept that we've had since we were kids, you know, policemen are officer-friendly, policemen are my kids, da 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 How many times have you heard me say good morning or police and fire personnel? Every show. This is directed to those cops who get it, to these firemen who put their lives on the line every day. I have great respect for them. Uh, I had it before Nick passed. I have it now. But these yeses, these horrible bad cops get good cops killed. That's right. What can we do about it? What can we do about it? It starts internally, Dave. It starts internally, and police officers sometimes have to understand we have to police our own. Mm -hmm. It's got to start there. And again, it starts at the line level, and it trickles upwards to, to senior management. Law enforcement culture is slow to change, slow to evolve, and that's got to change. So when people talk about the reforms, there's a lot of things that can be done internally, culture-wise, that would be massive improvements in some of these communities. And again, it's not to disparage the good men and women that put on the uniform every day, as you touched on, Dave, that do the right thing and get it. I want to be a voice for those officers because they're Absolutely. they're not in position to speak Absolutely. for themselves. Absolutely, you know, to the, to the general public. You know, it's oh. really cool. By the way, speaking of that, I had uh, Chief Hegney on, and we as somebody wanted to know about the the the, uh, the parking rules in the winter. You, did, you, did you hear that? All? Parking rules in the winter, and it, you can't park overnight in Attleboro, whether there's snow or not. Okay. It's just it, it from this date to that date, but. And Chief Hagney was, somebody complained about it. Chief Hagney said, I'm not enforcing that. I'm not enforcing that. If it's not snowing, I'm not doing it. I can, my people have more important things to do. Common and, sense approach? And, uh, yeah, hello. And, and Hagney said, you know, he said, that's not my job to make their, their life worse or more aggravating or more expensive. If it's not snowing and they don't have to be moved, you know, I'm leaving them alone. So this standing order that from X to X, no overnight parking, he's not going to enforce it. That's the kind of we need. I'll I'll piggyback on that. There was a time where certain departments, could be state, could could be municipal agencies, used motor vehicle violations as a revenue generator. Yeah, of course. Absolutely bad policy. Horrible. Try try parking in Providence. Good luck. Good luck to you. Right. Good luck. Yeah, in, yep. in, in for law enforcement yep. to be to be caught up in that type of an agenda, that type of yep. policy, wherever it may derive from, is is just bad outcomes. That's the best I could say. Bad outcomes will happen. We're gonna take a break, and when we come back, we have more. We're talking with Todd McGee. Um, boy, he's smart about all of this stuff having to do with police and and what you five zero eight two 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 thirteen twenty. The telephone number to call. Love to have you chime in. Okay. Okay. It's making you feel warm now. I'm cozy. <laughs> I, I made a, a very big faux pas, and I want to apologize uh, to Todd and uh, to Todd's family. I should have started this entire interview uh, with the announcement of your being a new grandfather. Can you 
tell us this very important. The baby's name is? Noah Imani. Noah Imani, yeah. And Noah is a name on my son-in-law's side of the family. Okay. And she weighed in at eight pounds, seven ounces. And oh, we are over the cool. moon. cool. That's great. And right. mom and baby are both healthy. Oh, good. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. That's terrific. Congratulations, Grandpa. Thank you. Oh, yeah, what are you going to be, Grandpa, Poppy? Pop-pop. Pop-pop. Yes. Okay. She says it already? Well, no, we'll see. We'll let her make the final determination. Okay, yeah, because, you know, the, these kids make names for their grandparents that you have no idea. My wife is Gee. We don't know why. Gee-gee or Gee. We don't know how that happened. Well, we I, we have an idea, but, I mean, it's boring. Uh, and, and, and Minan, Minan. Wow. was her mother's the her mother's grandmother name was Minan, because um, the old Joanne's older boy couldn't pronounce grammar or whatever it was, and so it's Minan. So there are all these different names. Yeah, they make the names up. Yeah, yeah. And my, of course, my grandchildren all call me Fathead. So it's nice, and you know, it's something that people can relate Grandpa to. Grandpa Fathead, okay? <laughs> no, just Fathead. Just Fathead. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we're talking about the uh, the horror of the uh, the murders, the murder by five police officers. What, you're talking about it's from inside. You, do you want to say on the air what you said about? Or did you say it on the air about the, the police chief? Oh, um, did you so, say it on the air? I can't remember if we were talking off the air. Yeah, I, but I, you know, happy to touch on it again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that the the chief had admitted that there was a lack of supervision in the field, and that's on her watch. Despite what's going on with this with the Scorpion mm-hmm. unit, if you know there if you know there is a lack of supervision, mm-hmm. she has the authority. She was the first. She was the one that created the unit to begin with. <laughs> Suspend the unit until you can get some proper supervision on the street. And the other thing is this 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 macho crap. I mean, it's it's like a motorcycle gang, scorpions. Why couldn't they be ice cream cones? The ice cream cones. Right, right. I mean, there's a whole play into that. It feeds into that. I am what I am, and you're going to do what I say. In 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 why not? Come up with a concept or a mission statement that allude that that's connected to community policing, a community policing model. Where yeah, you have a dangerous community. I get that, right? But when you start embedding yourself in with the community, you know who the good people are, and you know who the people that are problems that are a problem yeah, in, yeah. in the community. If they were in the community, they would have known Mr. Nichols was an upstanding citizen, right? It's simple. It's simple math, Dave. I guess. I mean, but you 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 got to ask yourself what the hell made them pull him over to begin with. Like you said, there was no. They can't be come up with a reason. It can't just be okay. Uh, okay, the next uh, car comes by with LS on the license plate gets it. Well, if 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 well, you look through it? the lens, uh, uh, if you're a hammer, then everything looks like a like a nail, right? And that's going to be your simple response: lack of professionalism. There was uh, no one there to, to, to intervene on the other's behalf, right? We talked about that a little bit before the break, about the, the you're compelled, compelled as a police officer to step in between your brother or sister officer that is escalating. But this is the problem from the beginning. I mean, I've, I've been talking about, I've been in broadcasting since I'm 14. Yep. I've been in talk radio for 60, almost 60 years. Yep. More than that. No, 60 years. And... <laughs> 
And this whole thing about not not stopping them, not not talking, not talking about, uh, not giving up the other cop, uh, covering their asses. Yep. That's really what I'm talking about. I'm trying to get it figured in my head. Sure. <laughs> so that this thin blue line baloney and da da da, and I didn't see it, and I wasn't. Well, you saw him punch me when I was handcuffed. Oh, I didn't see it. I had my back turned. I was looking at my my notepad. I didn't see it. That's part of it, big time. And, that, and that's the culture. Because if they do, what happens to them? What happens to the cop that gives up another cop? They're ostracized within the department. Yeah. They're ostracized. It's so like trying to find a lawyer to sue another lawyer. Good luck on that exactly, one. Exactly, right. Yeah. So, so now if, if, we, if we have the culture shift and we say that in, in, in my philosophy, my personal philosophy as, as to why I, I intervened in, in the handful of incidents in my career, because I don't want to be sitting in front of internal affairs and putting my career at jeopardy because of your actions, because yeah, of your absolutely. inability to control your emotion. Yeah. I don't want to have that weight on my shoulder. Well, especially now. I mean, I, I said this earlier about his two cops, three cops, I guess it turned out to be later, but two cops, and they're taking out their guns against this guy in the wheelchair we talked about that just came out. I don't know where it was. Somebody can fill me in on it. But the guy's in the wheelchair. He's a double amputee at the knees. He has a knife. He has a big, it's a big knife. And he has a big knife, and allegedly he's cut somebody. Okay, so the cops come. So he now, they have words, and the cops are standing there, and the cops have their guns out because the guy's got a knife. Okay. He gets down. I mean, it's almost comical if it weren't so serious. Right. He gets down out of the chair and he starts running away like a midget in a circus. And he's and the pant leg is dragging behind him because he's still wearing pant legs from when he had legs. And 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 he running away from the police. Away. Boy. What? There's no these three guys. Nobody. You know. I mean. I said to my wife, "What? Well, nobody can just run over, kick him in the head, and take the knife. I mean, something. I mean, to save it, not to kill him. So you look at the law. What's justifiable force? Gun versus knife. We get it. Now, you have to look at the totality of the circumstances. You have to, common sense, you're making an assessment of this person's ability. They're wheelchair bound. And then now he makes a decision to get out. I would think he's even... Even though he could move, according to your description, yeah, yeah. he's less of a threat. Of course he is. He wasn't any threat. Uh, once he got out of the chair, he was right, even, exactly. yeah, it was like, even less of a threat. It was ridiculous. I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, I don't get it. I mean, I would, sometimes I say to, you, know, you watch TV shows and there's, and there's police chases. Nobody ever shoots the tires. <laughs> Right? No ever shoots no, and tires, right? And I just had to say there'd be guy guy to be a standoff and shoot him in the leg. I, Take out his knee if you got no well, not in this guy, but I mean but I mean I know he's supposed to do body mass, I understand uh, yeah, but it, still do something other than ha that might kill the guy I, over an incident that isn't worth anybody's life. I would say let him run, he's gonna get tired. That's the other yeah. Let him run. Well, it's like when people, uh, these car chases, you don't need a car chase. So you can ha chase more people. Also, hanging talking about that, you know, some, some yuts 
on, on Facebook complained because Aigney wanted electric cars. And they said, well, the electric cars won't be able to go as fast as a car. As a car. There's and, always something. I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, it won't be able to go as fast. Well, first of all, I don't want chases anyway. I mean, who, like you said, whoever did this one, they're going to get caught because they're going to try another one. That's right. So they'll kind of uh, robber returns to the scene of the crime, whatever. They 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 do it again. That's and their you choice catch of criminality. Them. Yeah. Right. Their patterns. Yeah. Human nature we repeat even when it's bad decisions. Right. Right. Motor vehicle chases. Get the plate number. Meet them at the house. Yeah, and, and, and if they stole the car, you can find places for where they get it and blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's all kinds of, I don't get it. And it seems like they make it worse. Yeah, the common sense is it's just not there. And it's got to be, we learned very early in the police academy training a word called discretion. Yep. Discretion is, is like a close brother to common sense, right? And it's absent. You, you, and again, this is not to disparage the men and women that do the right thing every single day. Yeah, of course. It's the one percenters. It's yeah. these people that law enforcement professionals or lack thereof that let their emotions get out in front of them instead of staying professional. Right. Yeah, it, it, it's really something. It, it makes you think, what are you, what are you thinking about? What's going on? What, was, what we haven't touched on with, with Memphis, Dave, was um, after they put the handcuffs on him, yeah. the lack of medical care, medical oh. aid. And it, for the life of me, it, it was some type of 20 minute, over 20 minutes before an actual... Uh, uh, yeah, EMT. twenty minutes before the uh, before the van arrived. Yes, before right. the EMT. Yeah, twenty before they minutes. Could put him on the twenty minutes, right? Um, again, an extension of the gross negligence. Yeah, right. And but then they stood around. So, this is how we're trained, and, and this is how we train at the Mass State Police. Even if you shoot someone in a shooting, right? We'll we'll, we'll just say for conversation, a lawful shooting, you render aid. You've physically taken out the stop. Some yep. type of lethal threat. Yeah, you've engaged a person with a lethal force. You have a duty to get to render care. Yeah, yep. it, it just it just befuddles me the lack of of humanity that these all of these officers and the responding public safety officials that that responded to this uh, um, Tyree Nichols incident. Uh, it, it just. I hate to see it, but it doesn't. Fa- it doesn't stop. We thought when Chauvin happened, and and and, and the other cops that That's right. uh, helped him or didn't stop him, or, yeah. or we the thought, interview. oh, this is going to do something. Hello, nothing. No, and then the guy, then the guy in the chair gets shot. Two a week later. Yes, I mean nothing. These things are happening. In in you know, I don't even want to say it's because of. You know, incidents like a George Floyd where, you know, media is is really focusing. This is, these are bad, this is bad policing. Mm-hmm. This is bad policing in our community. And a lot of, and a lot of people will say, well, you know, it, it's, it, you need policies, you need laws, you need legislation. George Floyd uh, uh, Reform Act is, is something that, that passed through the House, didn't make it into the Senate. Forget all that, Right. What can we do now? Let's stop waiting for politicians to so-called be the answer or the solution. Let's take this by take the issue by the horn, even if your agency is not under the spotlight. Reassess the mission. What are we trying to achieve? 
are we really partners with our community? Mm-hmm. Are we really looking out for the stakeholders within the jur- in our jurisdictional area? Mm-hmm. Why not? Yeah. yeah, it, yeah. It let's, it let's take a look. If we have special, special units like this so-called Scorpion unit, it, 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 so here's what here's the challenge. The good the I'm ear quoting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The good work that was done in the previous year to to try to minimize the 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 crime in that community, every single one of those arrests are now under question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's the other thing is every arrest they made. Yes. Right, like with Chauvin and the yes. others, any arrest they made, that's it. I my my attorney would be going, excuse me. Yeah. Let's take a look at the, all of the probable cause that initiated those contacts. Yeah. Guaranteed they're going to start pulling, pulling the, the layers back mm-hmm. and they're going to find a bunch of worms under those rocks. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, what do you think about um, speed cameras? Personally, I don't like them. Um, I, I'm for using technology so that there's less police interaction with the general public. Um, that is a benefit of it. Um, I'm more for the flashing speed lights that that show your. Uh, I'm a big fan of those. Yeah. Because again, if you're in a, a, a I, I say a fast road is usually yeah, something yeah, that's a, just yeah. a straightaway. If you sit in this studio with me on a Saturday morning, and the police department is next door. Next door. Next door. They go by this. They go by this on the street. Union Union Street. They go by, the guy just went by. But they have gone by so fast, as God is my witness, I couldn't tell you what the make or the model of the car was. I could not, I swear, I see blue go by. That's fast enough. Yep. But they, honestly, they're going, yeah. and I'm saying, what the hell? And I meant to mention this to the chief, but we get into a lot of other stuff, and I didn't get there. I don't know why this, first of all, I don't know why anybody doesn't say, the police, the police so, departments here. So, so this is what I'm talking about yeah. with with policing our own. We would have a new rookie come on, and we would make that observation. Yeah. And we would get on the radio and say, "Hey, what do you got? Meaning, where are you going? What's the emergency? Yeah. Oh, I'm just out patrolling. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? Slow down. Right. How difficult is that? How how real difficult? But is I'm that? talking about civilians. Okay. Oh okay. no, I was talking about uh, the cops. Okay. I'm talking about civilians because I mean, you were talking about, you know, uh, the cameras. You know, yeah. here's how fast you're going. We could use one right here. Sure. Yeah. The only trouble is I don't think it goes up to three figures. <laughs> I don't think you're doing a <laughs> 25 miles an hour. You're doing 140. 140. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You might want to think about slowing <laughs> yeah. down. Yeah. Exactly. No, I'm sorry, but yeah, I didn't make myself clear. And I'm saying people flying by where the police department is. Right. Right, right. No deterrent. That tells you there's no deterrent, especially yeah, if you're yeah. if you're a resident in this area. You know the layout. You know geographically where the where the police yeah. department is. Um, it, yeah, it's literally seventy five yards across. And it's funny because you know the, the you're going too fast thing. Uh, the other thing that people used to get or people would try to get pulled over for they try to pull over, is if you flashed your lights at somebody when there was a yes. a, a, a speed trap speed trap street. ahead yeah yeah and you're flashing your lights and people try to pull you over tell you you can't do that uh, what's wrong with you yeah yeah let it let it alone <laughs> yeah I'll, there's yeah. other there's other bigger <clears throat> fish to yeah. fry to catch um, but you know I, again I'm I'm a fan of of using technology to make people more informed. 
Um, here's another tactic that was used, and this was, this was brilliant when it was first done. Uh, decades ago, uh, municipalities would put an empty cruiser in that in that area, yep. and it did. A, it had a deterrent effect. Sure, oh, yeah, we had one. Yeah, we had, uh, or uh, or or even put a blow up doll in the thing. Yeah, and they. Oh yeah, I, absolutely. I I live in near a place where there's a three stop sign intersection, yep. and one of the roads is yeah fast road, and and it's amazing. Um, there was a cop there a couple of days ago, my wife said, and he was pulling people over left and right because they just go through okay. that stop sign. But if if they saw a cruiser parked there. Deterrent effect. All of a sudden, hello. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That, 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 that's thinking out of the box. That's utilizing your resources, especially for your residents, right? The I'm state not- police do that a lot in Rhode Island. Um, on 295, you see them all the yeah, time. Yeah, fast road. In the, yeah. On the medium Yep. And all they do is just sit there and just presence. You I, see I know if you if you if I've done it myself, you, you see things. There's a good time and a bad time to put yourself into that type of motor vehicle stop situation. Put your flick your lights on. People see them, they'll slow down, they get the message. Yeah. Right? But you don't have to get yourself or the general public in a situation of danger. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Be smart. Yeah. I, I mean it, all of this uh, would make it so much easier. And, by the way, we might save some lives of the police. That's right. That's right. Because a lot of times other people have guns too. There is, we, we saw this in, it really started to spike pre-COVID, but uh, ambush calls. Ambush uh, calls yep, for, yep. for police. That now requires dispatchers to be better trained and ask more questions. Yeah. about what the nature of the call is. Yeah. And police officers have been killed responding to ambush, what turned out to be ambush calls. So again, it's a dangerous world. There's people out there with, with nefarious intent. And it's it's we have to do better, right? We, I, I, I like to think, Dave, that if public safety thought more like big business about protecting the brand, how do we do better at protecting the brand? We have to take an analysis. I did some work for um, former Chief Riley of um, uh, North Attleboro. And I was his drill instructor back in the academy. So we've been friends for 30 years. And after George Floyd, there were people questioning the the presence of the police and the tactics and the involvement and the engagement. So I did an exercise where I asked him, pull a report to show all of the, uh, all of the encounters and calls for service during a, a course of a year. And this, this, again, was just after George Floyd. They had 15,000 contacts. This is North Attleboro, right, neighboring town right next door to Attleboro. Yeah. 15,000 contacts, three complaints. Three complaints were investigated and were found to be unfounded, right? They were noise complaints or, or different things like that. And people were unhappy that they didn't get the resolution that they were looking for, not that the police department was excessive in any way. So I said, you have to celebrate that. Mm. You had a solid good year. And what police departments don't do is they don't talk about the good work enough that they're doing in the community. There needs to be a counter narrative of what all of the great things, and this isn't to, to put unnecessary light, but it's to understand that we're in the community and we're doing great things. When something bad happens, mm-hmm. we need to get out in front of it and we need to address it. Uh, in Rhode Island, they and, and I never understood this one. In Rhode Island, they have the Police Officers' Bill of Rights. 
like our bill of rights isn't good enough for right. them. They have the, and I don't understand that. I never understood it. I think it's because people start when something happens, they start talking about the cop and da da and he whatever. And they want to hold it, and I don't get it. We, I don't know how that's even constitutionally. We, we, we don't have that in Massachusetts, but I no. would think I would think that policy, procedure is enough for a police department to provide governance over the officer's actions, behavior, impact to the community, and that's where you hold accountable. Again, as we started off the conversation today, maybe it's... The police action isn't so bad, but it's administrative violation. It's a violation of policy. Mm. Still need to hold that police officer accountable. Yes. Yeah. Well, the, that crew from Memphis has got a truckload of those, right? A truckload. It's amazing. So, you know, again, uh, like we said, the, the, the full story is not out. Very confident that more information will just uh, uh, add to the weight of the, of the, of the criminality and the yeah. charges. And, um, you know, I, I had this conversation with a colleague, Dave, and I said, there's an argument that can be made for first-degree murder. People say, well, well, that's what I wanted to ask you. That was the thing I wanted to ask you. What's the difference? Uh, how do you charge first-degree, second-degree? What, what? First-degree, you have to show malice. So first-degree has to show that I intentionally left my home looking to take the life of said person. Yeah. Right? So that, that establishes your first, your, your, your first uh, degree charge. The second degree is again. There was a murder at the hands of these of these five police officers, but the malice is absent, right? So that positions the the appropriate charge of second degree. Yeah, but my the, question is no, no, I don't. That's where you're going. And right? this is where I'm going. Yeah, go ahead. Let's 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 start with the first video as it re- was released, and then subsequently, Mr. Nichols ran. A statement was made by one of the police officers. I hope they stomp him. That shows intent. Yes, absolutely. That shows malice. Mm, yep. That shows that that statement alone, and it, and it came from one more than one officer, but but the body cam cover footage had showed a, one of the police officers on scene mouthing and making the statement. So you had video and audio with that, and then later on, the mm-hmm. term stomp was used again. Lethal force is now in the law described as serious bodily injury or death. Yeah. Injuries that could cause serious bodily injury and or death. Yeah. So I go back to prior to the handcuffs being placed on Mr. Mr. Nichols, the pole cam that we saw that footage yeah. shows very clearly multiple kicks to the head. Dave, that's lethal force. That's not just excessive force. No. That's lethal force. That chronologic, that order of events there's an argument for first-degree murder. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, 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 what do you think about body cams? So they have been effective with de-escalating the majority of police and civilian across the country. They, they've, they've done studies on this. But in some cases, they're allowed to shut them off. They're not, they shouldn't be shutting them off. And, and that goes back now to policy. What does yep. the policy yep. say, yep. right? So that's an administrative violation. But it could be part of the evidence collection that if they deliberately shut that off to conceal what they do the behavior yep, yep. Or, the, or the misconduct that's yep. criminal yeah why would you want to shut something off if you're doing everything by the book i would think that that video well, would help tell my story yeah yeah of course right yeah. it would yeah. exonerate me to some degree yeah. Yeah. as long as i'm doing the right thing yeah 
Um, well, you kicked me in the head. Oh, gee, I, I'm sorry. My camera was off then. Well, <laughs> at that moment, right? At, strategically at that moment. Yeah. So, so here's the other challenge with, with the body cams. So you, 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 they, they deploy the cameras. They, they, they activate the cameras. And then now they're putting this narrative together on, on, on video to justify their actions. Because at some point, they must have become sober and said, oh, this was, this, was, this was really bad. And so now default, default to our narrative. It's just more lies. Yeah. Imagine, imagine what they're going through, though, in their heads. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's something that, again, What are they going through? I mean, yeah. they can't go back and unring this bell. They can't undo it. They can't untie the knot. They can't unring the bell. And I'm thinking about the department. I'm thinking about those other officers that conduct themselves in the same way. What's that going to do to internal affairs? Right? They're going to have a caseload that's, that's going to go from now to Christmas. Yeah. On their yeah. own department. Yeah. How about, the, how about the other, quote, bad cops? Uh, do you think they have any come-to-Jesus moment in, in anything like this? Or do they just think they're going to be more clever? That's a great question. I think that uh, there's a sense of, again, that I'd like to use the word sober, that yeah. maybe I need to self-police myself. I need to, I need to rethink how I engage. Um, I, I think that you're going to have something where uh, there's a culture shift with the with the department members, I don't know how big Memphis PD is, but um, they're going to bring it. This this is what happens every time. They're going to bring in outside consultants. They're going to do an evaluation of the department. They're going to look at the chief's policies and procedures. They're going to take a, a, a very deep dive on the Scorpion unit, and they're going to go back and look at all the cases. And and again, air quotes all of the the so-called good work that they did. And they're going to they're going to rip that department apart. They're literally going to rip that department apart because if we saw something this egregious, what is the next tear below that hasn't been un- that hasn't been discovered yet, and how wide and how deep is that? So it, you're going to see some massive changes coming from that. Well, I hope so, but not just there. Not just there, right? I, I mean, I mean, we, we've got to really do something about this. And it's funny because this First Amendment audit stuff on YouTube has made a big difference. It really, don't you agree, it, it's these officers of getting a clue. It's an in-service training. This is what members of the community are doing. You can do it in a simple online training. This is our response. This is what we do. First right. of all, let's get educated on the, on the First Amendment. Yeah, yeah. And the Fourth. In the Fourth. Right? And the Fifth. And, right, right? Oh, and the Sixth. Due process. Which allows you to have the lawyers present. Yeah. Right? So, so, so all these factors are, are, are there for us to be better informed. So that what? So that we don't respond inappropriately. Also, our other government officials also can understand that this is a new trend that we're seeing. And if you just ignore them, guess what? They go away. Yeah, right. Just walk away. Hi, guys. Hi, gang. Nice to see you. Give them nothing. Uh, we have uh, just about two minutes left. Um, when was your granddaughter born? When? On uh, Thursday morning at 5.58. Okay, so it was um, the second. Yes, second. the second. Okay. Yeah, Groundhog. So you had the official announcement now yes. of your, your granddaughter. And I'm, I'm mentioning this because Pop Pop McGee, um, is uh, able now to have the recording of this being announced in 2000. 
and 23 on February 4th. And so when she's old enough to, to appreciate it, you how you celebrated it, uh, on the radio in front of God and everybody. You know, we the show was heard all around the world. The, yes. Huh? Do you mind? Yeah, you yeah, around the yeah. world. Yeah, we were talking talking about you and how, how she'll realize, of course, how, how precious she will already have realized, but now she'll see an example of how the first thing you said to me when you walked in the door of the studio when the mics were off <clears throat> was that you were a new grandfather and you, resp- you, know, you demanded more respect. <clears throat> I mean, I understand. <laughs> Uh, and but but uh, it's really great for you. Thank you uh, so much. Congratulations Steve. to you and your wife Nikki and 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 the family, of course, and the mom and dad and everybody. Uh, mom's name is. Bob's name is Brianna, and, and her dad's name is Jeremy. Jeremy. My son-in-law. Yes. Okay, terrific. Great, great celebration for a baby that's being luckily has been born into a terrific, terrific family. Thank you, Dave. You really, uh, she's very, very blessed. And I know that you guys feel blessed, too. We do for, feel blessed, yes. For having her, and you know what? You are. Yes. So I just thought I'd point that out. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming in. Great seeing Again, you. Thank you for great, having me. Well, I don't know how great okay it was for you to see me, but it, I appreciate you I always coming enjoy my in. time. We'll talk soon. And, and, you know, anything you want to talk about sometime, give me a call. We'll bring you in. I know where to find you. You know. Yeah, I know it. <clears throat> Had me on that leash since the mayoral thing. I can't believe it. He's still crying. <clears throat> All right. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Pop Up. Thank you, Dave. Talk to you later. Bye bye. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome into Kane and Company. The final hour today. Want to say good morning. Good morning to all police and fire personnel, civil servants, healthcare employees, and good old number 41. Huh? Tomorrow at the uh, Centenary uh, Methodist Church, we're going to be presenting Lisa Powers, a medium who uh, is very effectual, uh, very well known in uh, New England, and uh, uh, the proceeds from this presentation will go to the Nikki O. Foundation and uh, uh, under the Attleboro, Great Attleboro Area Council for Children. And um, I wanted you to know about it in case you uh, thought you'd like to go. I have all kinds of things I can tell you about it. And one of the ways I'm going to tell you is by talking to Lisa, okay? So we're going to give her a call and see if we can't get her on the phone and, and chat with her for a bit. Good morning. Good morning. Is this Lisa Powers? Yes, it is. Hi, Lisa. This is Dave, and we're on the radio. And uh, I was playing Norman Greenbaum's Spirit in the Sky for you. Oh, nice. So you might like that, huh? Now, tomorrow, Lisa is going to be, as I said, uh, at the Centenary United Methodist Church, and she's going to be putting her presentation on for the Nikki O. Foundation Tell me a little bit. I, I know you only have a little time because you're you've got people to see today. But yeah. just tell me a little bit about um, your your relationship with Nikki, and 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 let's talk a little bit about that. Okay, so where do I begin? <laughs> <laughs> so um, long story. I try to make it short. Um, someone had given me your book, Forty One Signs of Hope, to read. 
and I didn't, you know, I didn't have time to read, and I left it on my nightstand, and I kept being woken up at, like, 4.41 in the morning, and, you know, this spirit wouldn't let me rest until I read the book, but in the interim, my ex-mother-in-law needed to read it, I let her read it, and then she gave it back to me, and the spirit was still bothering me. So once I started reading the book, it started to make sense, and... He kept saying to me, you need to call my father. And I was like, no, nope, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to be some, you know, weirdo stranger that randomly calls and says, I think your son's waking me up in the middle of the night. <laughs> so what happened is I was doing a reading for a client. She lost her son um, in like a fiery crash. And your son, Nicholas, kept coming through the session in her reading and kept saying, you know, recommend the book to her, recommend the book to her. And I had just ordered some, you know, for extra and for my sister who lost her son. And this woman's like, well, I can't wait. You know, I, I got to, um, I'll order it myself. So she goes home after the session. She goes online. She emails you and tells you about the reading she just had and that, you know, your son, Nicholas, was recommending the book to her. Yep. And you ended up calling me, and you were my 41st message on my voicemail <laughs> when I listened to it. So your son was very persistent <laughs> and many and, other... Well, he gets a piece of the book. He gets a piece of the book. He gets <laughs> He's only getting for the money. <laughs> hey, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so your son's your biggest promoter. <laughs> Well, that's okay. And tomorrow, tomorrow you'll be telling that story tomorrow. And tell me a little bit now, when all of these people are there, and many of the people many times don't know each other in the group, there are, you know, total strangers, and then you read them, what is it like to, to sit there and look at the group? Uh, do you see people? Do you see spirit? Or So I do see spirit, but I see it in my mind's eye and in my peripheral vision. So I'll see people out of the corner of my eye, like walk up to someone, stand behind someone. Obviously, when I turn and look with my physical eyes, there's nobody there. Yeah. But I know it's spirit, and they'll just keep sending me impressions. Um, literally, it's like... You'd say your imagination, like if you were to visualize your favorite vacation spot, you kept seeing it in your mind. Yeah, that's what spirit does to me. They send me impressions, so that's to do with you know the clairvoyance, but they're also clairaudient, um, and I'm also clairsentient. So they send impressions whether I feel things, see things, hear things, smell things. It's all of that. Now, when so. you hear things, do you hear a voice or do you? Do you imagine? Imagine what you know. Do, yeah. do you do you literally hear a voice or not? So no, it's more of an inner voice. Like when you say your inner voice talks to you. Yeah. But I will hear different tones, like levels of vibration. I know that's hard to like explain, unless that you've had the experience. But we've all had it, and I try to tell people your loved ones and spirit. Or, you know, you're more in communication with them than you know. But we think it's a memory. Ah, okay. So yep. you understand, like, when my mother, I'll be walking down the stairs and I'll be carrying many things. And 
I'll hear her say, Lisa, you're going to fall, or at least you shouldn't, you know, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. You don't have to carry yeah. everything at once. And when and, and when, when and when you hear this stuff, you're thinking you think of them because they're thinking of you. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so they're they're making this stuff happen, and we and I use the we me included that we are dumb as a stump when it comes to realizing that we're being spoken to. Correct. We just don't I don't like to call be dumb as a stump, but yes, I would say more like ignorance is bliss type of thing that we just kind of ignore it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so yeah, you think that ignorance we ignore. Uh-huh. And so we are the ones that are really the ones that are turning our backs, are not accepting, you know, it's like being at a party and someone speaks right. to you and you walk away, right? Yeah. You got your hand up, like talk to the hand type of thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's why I said we reject it. And, you know, the, the sad part is some of us do it out of fear or the fear of the unknown or our loved one's not at peace if they're talking to us. Yep. No, they're, yep. they're in a beautiful place. They're, their connection to you is love, and that can never be severed. Right, right. You know, it's not the time, no space, physical, non-physical. So when people say, oh, they're in heaven, they shouldn't be talking to you. Why not? We're spirits. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. And so when, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. And, 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 and go ahead. No, I'm done. Oh, <laughs> no. <it'd> be. <laughs> Maybe spirit's not done, but I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, you know, you, uh, where you, you're being spoken to and you're doing. Now, tell me, try to tell me one incident in one of your readings or group readings or private readings that really flipped you out, something that that, that made you go, oh, my God, I can't. I mean, because, you know, when I've been exposed to all of this stuff for years. Our family has. But still, every once in a while, something will happen. I'll go, holy crap. <laughs> How can that be? Have you got something uh, that you can tell? Of- God, trying to, no, I'm trying to remember all the stories. Um, there's just so many. But, you know, I want to say, like, let me try to think of one. Spirit okay, one. yeah. Um, you know, by example, doing a group reading, I'm saying to the people, like, they keep showing me the I Love Lucy show, but I had just the night before watched, um, I think it was Inventing the Ricardos, a new one with Nicole Kidman and Javier Badum, you know? So I yeah. just watched it, and they kept showing me it over and over again in my mind, and I'm thinking, it's not just a memory, because they stimulate memories to tell a story. Yeah. So those is my databank. So they kept showing it to me, and I said to him, I said, I just have to trust that there's a reason why they're showing me Lucy and Desi. And he said to me, well, that makes total sense. Those are both his children named Lucy and Desi. <laughs> and I said, are you freaking seriously? You must have loved the I Love Lucy show. He goes, oh, no, they're Cuban names. And I'm like, they are? Yeah. I mean, Desi, yeah. I guess. I yeah. didn't know Lucy was a Cuban yeah. name. Yeah, yeah sure. Those are the type of things when they'll show me, like they'll show me Doris Day, that usually means this a Doris connection. Um, there's just so many things. I can't even, like I said, trying to pinpoint amazing stories. But even things, you know, still surprise me to this day. And I always say, like, when people say, oh, you're not going to believe this, I go, try me. <laughs> I know. It, it's really funny. And people say that to me all the time. You're not going to believe this thing. You know who you're talking to? <laughs> I'm not going to believe that. I got this. I'm going to believe that. Yeah, it's it's really really terrific. And and uh, 
And it's going to be fun, and it's going to be tomorrow at 2 o'clock uh, at the Ascent. Now, I don't know if I should say this, but you, your dad's coming. Yeah, that's a, that's a big deal. Now, he's never seen you do this, right? No. Does he? Does, does Is he on board with this stuff or kind of He's not? more accepting now because my sister has told him some stories, and he's like, you know, he's like, oh, oh. You know, it takes him a little bit to absorb it, but, but for him to witness this and be there and actually show up is a big deal. Oh yeah, and and uh, and it's re- re- I'm very excited about you. You know, um, I don't know if I ever told you this story when I used to do stand up. Um, mm-hmm. You you go and to be open mics and people would leave and you'd still go up and then one night I got up there and there was only one couple <laughs> left in okay. the room. And I did my act, and as I'm doing my act, the couple got up and left. Oh, my God. Okay. And and I couldn't believe it. I mean, I was so down. And then I went home, and I went. I, I, I got home, and I went up into my, my parents' bedroom, and I said, why did you leave? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, that's not true. Not <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> I know. Um, but it's going to be really great. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, we haven't done it in several years, and you know some of the mediums that we've had with us, and uh, mm-hmm. and it's really great. And I want to thank you for doing this. I know you're going to be terrific. And it's tomorrow, two p- uh, two p.m. Okay. Don't now listen. Don't uh, don't think that I don't. Uh, I'm not telling them it's 2 p.m. I'm telling you it's 2 p.m. Right. Make sure, make sure you <laughs> well, show up. That's how I feel if you're doing stand-up. I, like, I stand up there, and I'm like, okay, everybody's going to leave, and no spirits are going to show up. Okay, if one person stays, then I've done my job. I know, you wor- I know you worry about that. It's so, oh, ye of little faith, huh? You, you worry. I know. That- I'm, I'm a doubting Thomas, and I do yeah, it for a yeah. living. All, I know it, and all the, but all the mediums I've dealt with, it, almost, every to a, to a person, they all worry that they're not going to get to everybody, and uh, but some people right. don't get stuff for a, a myriad of reasons. Who right. know? Or, or I have seen they they're throwing you know, you'll be throwing something out there, and they don't get it, and then they go home and they go, oh, that was yeah. for me, right? Yep, I've had people do that in private sessions, and they've gone home and they emailed me and they spoke to other relatives in the family and they're like i didn't even know that person or i didn't even know i had an uncle joe that passed away this way you know so those are the validations that you get when you see people looking at you like you got three heads when you're channeling a spirit yeah and then later on they go oh wow that was me and uh so and you get the call that's great tomorrow at two o'clock at the centenary uh, united methodist church on the corner of sanford and north main street in attleboro uh lisa powers a great lady, and uh, I can't wait to see you again. So you be be ready, okay? Okay, I'll be there with bells on. Okay, well, yeah, but don't move around a lot because people are trying <laughs> to hear you. <laughs> Jingle bells. Uh, oh, there you go. Thanks a lot, honey. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Honey. See you tomorrow. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, after I play this song for you, I'm going to uh, tell you a spirit in the sky story that you might enjoy. Okay, stay tuned. Nobody on my line five zero eight two 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 thirteen twenty. Anybody want to chat huh, about this? 
All righty, Norman Greenbaum, Spirit in the Sky. Oh, great song and um, great production. I, I've got this story to tell you about this um, that I think I think you may find interesting. <clears throat> um, several years ago, I was uh, uh, working in another radio station, and I was um, driving to work in the morning. Now, I always used to listen to talk radio and, or, you know, stations. And this particular morning, for some reason, uh, I was listening to FM music. And uh, my windshield wipers started going off, which which happened a lot uh, with the band that I had. And, and, and it just started going off. They weren't on. They went on by themselves. Usually when Nikki had something to tell me or there was something going on, either I was thinking about them or... So the, the, the windshield wipers started going crazy. And I'm saying, what's going on? And then I realized that this song, Norman Greenbaum's Spirit in the Sky, is, is, operate, is, is on, is on the air. And uh, I said, oh, I get it, Spirit in the Sky. Okay, Nikki, okay, honey, I got it. Thank you, sweetheart. Okay, baby, I got it. So I, I pull into a gas station, get some gas, and the song's still playing, and the wipers are still going. Now, I can't shut them off <laughs> because they're not on. I mean, they're, they're just by themselves. <sighs> so finally, I, I shut the car off, and, and the wipers start, stop. I, mean, I thought it was cool. This was Nikki saying, reminding me that there are spirits in the sky. That they, they're, you know, he's kind of his ID at that moment. So uh, about a week later, uh, I was with my other son, David. Now, David, um, you, you probably you wouldn't know this. David, um, on the weekend after Nikki passed, Nikki passed on a Thursday. On, um, on that weekend, David came down from, uh, from Emerson. He was in college. Uh, obviously, and while he was there, he, he stayed for a while, and then he went back. And that night, David had a, an attack of from a kidney problem that he had, very serious, had to have surgery, uh, very dangerous. Looked like he may or may not make it through the surgery. It was very tough. On the same weekend that Nikki passed, very tough. So um, the. The following Monday, uh, I went up to Boston. Um, no, no, excuse me. I'm sorry. Uh, he had the operation, and about a week, two weeks later, he had been released. He was home, and I was taking him up to Boston to get tests to see how the progress was on the surgery. And we're coming back from Boston, and I decided I would tell David about this incident with the windshield wipers and how Norman Greenbaum's Spirit in the Sky went on. And it was Nikki's running the windshield wipers. And I was telling him that. And he said, no, there was no music on in the car when we were driving. And I was telling the story. And David said, wow, Dad, that's really cool. That's, re that's a really cool story. Okay? All right. And then David reached over to the radio and turned on the radio. And like out of a scene in a movie, like out of central casting, like in a scene in a movie, 
David reaches and turns on the radio, and as soon as it comes on, the disc jockey in the Boston radio station says, and now, here you go, by request, Norman Greenbaum's Spirit in the Sky. And the windshield wipers went off again at that moment. Oh, my God. And that's one of those things when I go, I know, I know, but gee. Just thought I would tell you that one. You might want to know, right? Five zero eight two 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 thirteen twenty. You and me on the radio until noontime today. Five zero eight two 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 thirteen twenty five zero eight two 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 one three two zero telephone number to call you and me on the radio until noontime. Nobody on my line, no all alone by the telephone. Uh, boy, Todd Todd McGee gave us a lot of great answers for the whole Memphis police situation. I mean. We've obviously got to do something, right? Something needs to be done. The question is, what needs to be done and how are we going to do it? Because his experience and his knowledge shows that he's just one of, I'm hoping, thousands of former police officers and and, and, uh, mature police officers who can give us ideas on making it better. Everything. Let me remind you that next week, um, I won't be on uh, live next week. I am, instead, we are running the show uh, on which I had all four mayoral candidates for Attleboro mayor on it um, on the same show. So we had all four members on. I think they they got about yeah they got about forty five minutes apiece to talk and 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 say what they think etc. So that's going to be run next Saturday. So if you missed it, it would be a great idea for you, um, to make a note to yourself to catch it. And if I mean you can hear it on the archive, but there's <coughs> you. Sorry, took a drink of water and it went down the wrong way. Um, uh, so then this show will have feature all four candidates. Now, I got to tell you, uh, I see a lot of Jay Delisio signs, and I haven't seen any for um, Kathleen De Simone or John Davis, and I haven't seen the candidate uh, Tim Baroni at all. I mean, him, I haven't seen him. I haven't seen the other signs, but I haven't seen him. I'm wondering what's what's happening. Um, if one of those people wants to call, they can feel free to call in and tell me what's going on. There was a whole um, uh, chazarai about um, John Davis, who has offered to work for free 
of the first run of the mayor from from February until November. I wonder what you thought about that. Uh, and I wonder what you you think about. Um, are you taking Tim Baroni's uh, candidacy seriously? I'm not sure he is, is my question. Uh, because there's been no to-do. I've heard from the other candidates. I've heard from Kathleen and from John and certainly from Jay. And, and But I'm wondering... Well, they, I mean, I think that you know. I mean, I don't. I, I don't think I'm letting the cat out of the bag by saying I don't think that Mr. Baroni is going to have a real good shot at winning the mayoral seat. But he has been attempting to at least use his run to talk about a couple of a couple of problems uh, with living in Attleboro. I guess one was, of course, the the garage thing he was talking about, the garage fees. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what that is, but if you have something you'd like to comment there or talk to me about any of the candidates, I'd love to hear from you. 508-222-1320. 508-222-1320. Okay? Alrighty. Uh, I noticed that the uh, Sun Chronicle ran the uh, letter that I wrote today, actually yesterday, in the Chronicle, uh, responding to uh, Reverend uh, Wanamaker's uh, talk about about the Constitution and about um, Kamala Harris's speech. Um, I, I like Reverend Wanamaker. He, I've had him on here. And I've been trying to get him to come back on, <clears throat> but uh, I don't know what's going on. Uh, he isn't, I guess, able to make it for a little while. I'm hoping to get him back on because I like to have these conversations about about scripture and religion and things that are important to you know to point to a lot of people. Right, but they're trying to. People are trying to. Uh, I don't know. In listening, in reading some of the stuff, I had a problem with what I saw, and that's why I wrote the letter because I'm thinking to myself, you know, this reference to the Bible, etc. There's so much stuff in there. There's so much stuff in Scripture. And it really makes you think about what's really going on here. I think that, um, personally, I think that, you know, Jesus had a good message, a great message. But I think that the people who, uh, who got that message originally, who were there for the presentation of the message, well, actually, a lot of them who wrote the, the the Bible weren't there then, weren't present when that went on, and so what happens is, like with a, it's like a telephone game, isn't it? It's like a telephone game. You know the game you play at a party where somebody starts a rumor, and then you whisper it on and on and on, and then it gets, and then it gets fixed or changed or whatever. 
as an entirely different message coming up from that from that game. And that is, in, in my uh, humble opinion, not humble enough, I'm sure, my humble opinion is that that's what's happened in Scripture, that, that the people uh, who wrote the Bibles, many of them long after Jesus worked the face of the earth, uh, got it wrong or have used <clears throat> some of the teachings for their own purpose and their own power and to do I don't know what. I don't know what the, the ultimate end would be, I guess. But when people start pointing to the Bible as the end play, as the one and only way, etc., uh, that you must follow this and under no circumstances can you do anything, I really wonder about it. Because some of the actions and the punishment for those actions are stunning in Scripture. And the rules, I mean the rules, uh, they make, um, they may being a conservative Muslim look like a walk in the park. Some of the things that are spoken for which you can be smited which you can be put to death in Scripture. And the stories in Scripture, I mean, there's, as I mentioned in my letter to the editor, I mean, there's, there are rapes and murders and incest and, and, uh, and punishments that don't quite seem to... to it's confusing to me. I look at it and I have people come and, and then there are those people who, who believe, honestly, that they, they can, um, they must believe every single word of the Bible and take it all literally. And I think that is something that can mess you up too, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, how can you take it absolutely seriously, absolutely verbatim? I mean, a lot of the scriptures, a lot of the stories were, frankly, uh, they were stories. They were parables trying to, to show, trying to make a point. They weren't... Uh, <laughs> they weren't meant to uh, to be taken literally. I don't think. I think, and and even if if the stuff that allegedly happened, some of it really happened, it was it was to, to show you that's not the way to go. That's not a good idea. That's a bad thing. And yet, Scripture has done you nuts. And when you think about the Gospels, you know, the Gospels are a bunch of Gospels that you haven't even heard of yet. I mean, uh, there were, uh, the Gospels were chosen, the four Gospels that ended up, this Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John thing, it was, it was there were other Gospels. Uh, gospels, of, you know, according to, uh, Mary Magdalene had a right. Had, got, uh, according to all, all these other people, 
And that was the other thing. Like, to take Mary Magdalene as an example, she was treated like like a an albatross, and she turned out probably to be the most treasured apostle that Jesus had. And there's speculation as to whether they not got married and what. It's fascinating reading, anyway, and I, and I hope that you. I hope you get a lot out of it. But I hope that you are able for yourself to figure out what's real and what's parable and what's a good example and what's not. Um, and do what my mother said, which is why didn't everybody leave everybody else uh, the hell alone, right? Boy, it's still cold outside. Eight degrees? Let's see if I can warm you up with this one, huh? Oh, Chad and Jeremy is summer song. Just want to try to get you warmed up a little bit. It's really a cool one. It's uh, going to get warmer uh, during the morning, uh, this morning, about, yeah, we're getting toward noon now. Uh, get up to maybe 18 or 19 degrees for the day. But tomorrow, Tomorrow's going to be okay. Tomorrow's going to be like 40, 48 degrees of it. So it's just a temporary thing. But boy, I'll tell you, really cold. It's really cold. You know why it's really cold? I mean, it's really cold. Boy, I'm doing what I can for you. 508 222 1320, telephone number to call. Um, I want to thank. Uh, uh, Brenna Vashon from the uh, Council for Children for coming on this morning at 9 to remind us about tomorrow's uh, medium reading with Lisa Powers. Also, of course, Todd McGee. Now he's Papa McGee. Got his first grandchild. How cool is that? Very cool. And um, and then, of course, um, uh, I want to thank uh, Lisa Powers. Who um, who will be there tomorrow? And uh, do you think I plugged this enough? And I'm trying to decide. I may have. I may plug it. I'll be sure. Five zero eight two 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 thirteen twenty telephone number to call. Mm. I've been drinking. I got to have my water bottle with me, and my wife was kind enough to fill it with hot chocolate on the way in <laughs> for my drive on the way in. I took the car like. Usually it takes about ten minutes to warm up. I I started in the beginning warm up. It it, it took, God, it took like uh, twenty minutes to get it <laughs> to get it gold warmed up. Five zero eight two 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 thirteen twenty. So listen, um, next week I want to remind you. Next week on the eleventh we're going to have um, the rerun of the candidates show where all the candidates for the, the uh, Attleboro mayor office, mayoral office, uh, we're on, and we're going to rerun it next week. So you get to hear them all and think again about who you're going to vote for. I really, you know, I really hope, I really hope that you're going to, you're going to take advantage of your opportunity to say who should be mayor of the city of Attleboro. I just want to remind you, I don't want to sound like it's preachy 
and I don't want to sound like I'm dramatizing anything. But even the the vote for what you think might be some lowly office someplace, the, the city council of a small city, these votes are important. The vote for mayor, these votes are important. The vote for rep, these votes are important. And they are important for a very important reason. They are important because of all of the men and women over the years who have died to make sure you have the right to do it. You know, that January 6th thing we all talk about, and a lot of people, it was very serious. And it was an attempt to take our country and drag it down. It was an attempt to cheat you out of your right to say who will be your president. It was an attempt to take over your country. It's not hyperbole. It's not over-dramatic. Over it's real. It's very real. And you deserve, for yourself, you deserve to to fight against that in the, one of the best ways, if not only way almost, I think, is to, is to vote. Is to vote. So many people have been, have been killed or maimed, who, who still carry scars or, or illness, all as a result of, of, of their attempt to make sure that you can walk into a voting place or, or, or make it out at home and drop it into a mailbox or drop it into a, a drop-off center and make sure that you get your say as to who governs parts of your life, who, who it is that should have the opportunity to do that. And it's up to you. And if you don't do it, if you don't do it, I want you to think about that person, if you don't believe of all the stuff that I talked about, right, with mediumship and spirit and everything, if you don't believe any of that, I want you to think about the body of that person in a grave, in a cold grave, laying there, and you didn't bother to go do what you should have done. You didn't bother to make their contribution, to make their sacrifice to keep it, keep its value. You didn't do it. And if you didn't do it, shame on you. This is really serious. I mean, this is, this is not, you know, like I said, this is not, oh, well, I'll wave myself and uh, wrap myself in the American flag and wave. No, this is really serious. I know you, 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 you could think, oh, it's just the mayor's race. No, it's, it's not it's it's it, it's not just 
a mayor's race. It isn't just a race for city council when they have that. It is a race and a determination of who runs your world, part of your world. And the people who, who, who sacrificed so that you could do this, the people who now, even now, suffer from, from damage, physical damage, psychological damage, PSTD, PTSD, excuse me, PTSD. All of that is, is very real. And all of that is because people have cared enough for you, cared enough for themselves, cared enough for their families, cared enough about our country to make that move, to do those things so that you could peacefully, you could peacefully find yourself in a position where you could do the right thing, right? So that you could exercise your right to make sure your world, your world is safe. Your world is safe. You should do it and make sure that you do. So next week, the uh, candidates will be rerun and you will make your choices soon. All right, boys and girls, mom and dad, children of all ages, we've done it, huh? Next week, as I said, they're going to rerun the, uh, the candidates uh, in, in Hello interviews. <laughs> and then the following week, I'll be back and we'll be talking about uh, the 20th anniversary of the Station Nightclub Fire. My thanks to Todd McGee and Lisa Powers and uh, Brenna Vashon today. And, of course, my, my special thanks to you. Because without you, I sit here and talk to myself. A lot of people think I do it anyway. But. And I will remind you one more time. That in the end, boys and girls, the love that you take from this world is equal to the love you make in the world. Thanks very much for being with me. Next Saturday morning, no, the weekend, uh, just tune in. Nine to noon, Saturday, you'll be glad you did. God bless you. Four Deep Sports is next on WARA, but Bob Bamberg is going to give the official how